Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Vorst, and I'm also one of the pastors at Life Church, and I want to thank you so much for listening today. This is going to be another installment of our series on the letter to the Ephesians, where Pastor Nathan breaks down what's called the APEST, the Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Shepherd, and Teacher. And he has a few people on stage that he interviews as well, so you'll hear some other voices. But I just want to say this was an incredible sermon and extremely timely timely for our nation and our world and all the things that are going on. And so I hope you get out of it as much as I did. As always, I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and also share it with others if you think it's meaningful to you. It might be to somebody else as well. And if you'd like to contribute to this ongoing effort and the much more holistic work of Life Church, please visit our website, lifechurchcanton.org slash give. It helps us to continue this, to, to spread the hope of Jesus to people beyond our walls and our community. So without further ado, here's Pastor Nathan. Welcome, everybody. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, that was powerful worship we just experienced. If you're new or just tuning in, could you let us know by saying, I'm new in the comments below, or going to our now page and filling out a connect card. We want to walk life with you. We've been in this season for a while, so we thought we'd do something fun. So we're actually all here together, the worship team and the, me preaching and some of our pastors. We thought it'd be fun to worship together and, and do it at a safe distance, and so I'm excited to be able to be here. You guys don't always get to hear from these people. They sing or they're on stage uh, playing multiple instruments, and you don't get to hear from them. So you're going to hear from some of them today, and I'm excited. So I hope that you will interact with us. It's a good time. Last time I was with you, if you remember and watched, I poured out a ton of Mountain Dew Zero. I asked you what your favorite beverage was, and later that week, someone sent me a video on YouTube, and a young lady, her favorite beverage, do you know what it was? It was formula. Now, we're, we're, we're talking about a 13 to 15-year-old child. It's hard to tell at this stage, but formula. They loved baby formula. Um, and not only that, they would have a lot of it every single day, which is expensive, by the way. Formula is expensive. And, and so I thought I'd, I'd try it out. And believe it or not, this 15-year-old girl, she, uh, she likes to get it out of a bottle. So not only that is she drinking formula, she's actually drinking formula from a bottle, and her parents let her do this. Now, for me, I have never made a bottle of formula in my life. Now, I have made bottles for my children, but we just didn't use formula. We're blessed that way. And, and so I don't know if this is right. I kind of read it. But as I'm looking at this, does this feel right to you? Like some of you are freaking out just a little bit that I'm about to drink this. And you're like, you're doing it wrong. All the moms here are like, you're doing it wrong. And that's hot water. I did figure that part out. And I knew I was supposed to add the powder in. And I hope it's good enough but we'll just see. Oh, it's spurting a little bit. Oh, this is just lovely. Um, all right. Ugh. Why do babies like that? That's disgusting. That's terrible. Babies are dumb. That's, I'd want something else. How ridiculous is that? You watch someone on YouTube, you're almost cringing to watch it. That's terrible. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. I probably did it wrong. Mm. Well, doesn't that seem ridiculous? <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you continue to do things like a baby would do them? In some ways, the church has actually allowed people to do this. 
in some ways, we've continued to give people formula. We've stood on the stage in uh, churches in the world and said things that are easy. In fact, it's kind of like as they walked in the door, instead of handing bulletins out, we gave them baby bottles. That seems weird and kind of harsh, but I'll explain a little bit as we go on. Now, we know that we need to grow up. So my first question for you, and if you're listening to this live, I encourage you to write down in the comments the question. But the first question I have is, when did you realize it was time to grow up? And I'd love to ask Katie, thanks for being here. It was great worship. I really enjoyed that. I was telling you I didn't want to sing in the back of your head bad notes, but you did a wonderful job. Um, like, when did you realize it was time to grow up? Yeah, well, I have two younger sisters, so um, one's really close in age to me, but my youngest sister is actually almost 10 years younger than me. And so when I was about 10, I really started to think about just how much I influence my sister's own yeah. actions and who they're growing up to be and what wow. they're choosing to do. And I think for me, that was really just a starting point for gaining more responsibility over who I am and what I'm choosing to do. So That's incredible. Thank you for that. Ten years old. Uh, it took me much longer, but when you realize you have an influence on people, and I think we could learn a lot from that. So what's your answer? When did you learn that it was time to grow up? Youth, if you're watching, Maybe you just graduated or you're in high school. When did you realize, hopefully, it's time to stop complaining and start taking responsibility for yourself? And I say that as if it's negative. It's not. It's, it's a beautiful thing that when you realize there's things you want to change, and instead of complaining like you have no power, you can start to take responsibility and move forward. Growing up is a good thing. Often we say, hey, grow up. But instead, we should be saying, no, it's, it's an opportunity to grow up because Keep drinking this and things aren't going to go well for you. And some of us have been doing that way too long. We need to keep growing up every day, every moment. And those of us who've lived long enough realize we got to get over ourselves over and over again. They say you never realize you're selfish until you get married. Then they say you don't actually know you're selfish until you have children. And I think that's really true. What I want for us is to grow up. I want for us, all of us, the church, to grow up and to experience something that's greater. Because when you grow up, you get to experience new things. Aren't you tired of the immaturity around you? Are you guys tired of it? Yeah, those who have, you know, yeah. I'm tired of the immaturity and people who don't look like high schoolers but act like they're babies. These people, are, it feels like we're all predisposed to be immature. It kind of feels like we're in a world full of people who need to grow up. Ephesians, this book we're in, is all about maturity, unity, about growing up. In fact, it's long been regarded as the constitution of the church. It's set up to help us know that we belong and we can encounter Jesus that's what we learned in the first half. I encourage you to go deep into that and, and dive in. The second half, which we just started last week, is all about the doing, the overflow, what we can continue to do together. As we move forward, I want to dive right into Ephesians. We've got a lot to cover today. Ephesians 4.11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. It says shepherds here. The word in most of the translations is pastors. I'll explain why I put shepherds here. It's easier for us to understand. But what you need to know here is that Christ himself gave the apostles. We're going to come back to this, I promise. It's important. 
What I want you to know right now is that God gave the church five distinct voices, five purposes, five functions, and it shows up in people, but it shows up in what we're supposed to do, and we'll come back to that. Let's continue on. Let's keep thinking about that baby. Remember that baby, baby milk? Let's keep moving. Verse 12, to equip his people. So he gave these five voices to equip his people for works of service. We've got work to do so that the body of Christ may be, again, here's this language, built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, built up, become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, built up and become mature so that we can have unity and the whole measure of the fullness of God. Our world needs unity right now. We need unity right now more than anything else. We need to be mature. We should be growing. And the whole measure, I love the idea that there's always more of Christ to experience. I'm going to tell you this right now. To experience unity, we need maturity. If you want unity, you're going to have to grow up and become mature. We need to grow up and be built up to experience the whole measure. Verse 14, let's continue. Verse 14 says this, then we will no longer be infants. No more milk. We don't need milk anymore. We're not craving formula because we'll no longer be infants. And here's the problem. If we are infants, then we're going to be tossed back and forth. Anyone feel like that right now? Tossed back and forth by the waves the waves of COVID, the waves of what we're going through, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. There's so much stuff going on. It's so hard to understand. And it's by cunning and crafty people and their scheming. See, we don't just need to grow up because we think that's what we should do. We need to grow up so that we're not tossed back and forth. We have to stop acting like infants because infants are moved by everything that comes. Another way of saying it is simply, simply that we need to learn where to place our feet. See, our politics right now seem to be built as if they're talking to infants. I mean, anyone else feel that way? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's like they're talking down to us at some points. It, it's because we're easily swayed as a community. We crave it. We actually crave it being broken down for us, pre-digested enzymes. We, we want it just to be told to us. And once we find that right flavor, we'll just take whatever they give us. And we can't have a civil discussion with people who think differently than us. Are you feeling me right now? The world is so incredibly confusing. That's my second question. And this one's hard. And if you share in the comments, that's great. But what do you find confusing about our world today? And Rob, who is so incredible on so many things, but uh, what do you find confusing about our world today? Uh... You know, basically it boils down to communication, um, lack of communication, miscommunication. Um, I think if we just got a better grasp on communication, I think things would be a lot less confusing in this world, to be yeah. very honest with you. Yeah. That's wonderful. How do we talk together? This discussion. Yep. Thank you so much for sharing. You talk about all the things that we're getting in, put in front of our face. Your belief about God is your theology. Even if you don't believe a, there is a God, you still have a theology because your belief is there is no God. But our perception about reality and the world around us is directly informed by and affected by our theology and vice versa. They go hand in hand. 
So if you get your worldview from Instagram or Twitter or CNN or Fox or Facebook, are those firm foundations? Do you think they're trying to help you or are they trying to get something from you? We may not realize that we're drinking some formula that isn't for our good. Babies don't actually think about what they're eating. They don't think about where they get it from. If someone hands them a bottle, they will drink it in most cases. That's why we have to grow up and be discerning. Some of us, in order to stop being infants, have to get off the formula and start chewing on the Word of God. Start getting into the Word of God. If you read the Bible, you will see this. I love this. In fact, I've memorized it. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I left the ways of childhood behind me. Have you? If we don't grow up, we'll have nowhere to place our feet. We'll be blown back and forth. If you don't stand for anything, you will fall for everything, right? You've heard that? Well, some of us never knew or have forgotten where to put our feet. So we can't stand for anything because we're falling for everything. There's nowhere to place our feet. Well, I'm I'm on the wind and the waves. I'm getting blown back and forth. How do I know where to stand? The good news is that God hasn't left us there. Ephesians 4.15. So instead of all that, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love and we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Instead of being children and infants, we need to speak the truth. So truth does need to be said right now in love. This infers that correction is essential for maturation, that correction is essential for growing. So if you've never been corrected, you're not really growing. That doesn't feel right because when I get old and I'm an adult, I'm arrived, right? You can't tell me what to do. I don't need correcting. I've figured it out. But we learn that to mature, you have to keep being corrected. Ephesians 4.16 goes on. From him, that's Christ, the whole body joined and held together, unity, remember, by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does it work. We learned that we were chosen in Christ in the beginning. This constitution is reminding of us of that. We're joined and held together by Christ. So each ligament has a purpose in our body, and so do you. Every one of you have a purpose. You have a reason for being here, every single one of you. And unity doesn't mean uniformity. It doesn't mean believing the same things. I'm so tired of the polarization of this country, the idea that we have to be pushed into these polar opposites. And frankly, I'm tired of the polarization in our church. And I'm not talking big C church. I'm talking about life church. Aren't you tired? I know so many of you are struggling through what you see on social media and the conversations you're having, but mostly what you see on social media. You're incredibly weary. We're just mad. What if we had a church where Republicans and Democrats work together? What if we stopped trying to label our church as liberal or conservative? What if we gave that up as important? What if we just were radically different in that we worked together and had unity? Not because we avoided difficult issues like there's some kind of plague, 
but refuse to be divided and to go after it. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't the church look and go, what the heck are they doing? You're telling me that these people are in the same room together? How? No much like that. They're actually talking about it? Wouldn't that be so radically different that the world would look and say, something is different. Something's holding them together. It's bigger. My third question to you is to dream a little bit. What would change in the world if we were united as a church? Well, Pastor Daniel, I'd love for you to answer this question. What would change about the world if we were united as a church? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I remember old-time preachers used to say, ears have not seen and I, you know, ears have not heard, eyes have not seen what God has prepared for us um, to fathom what would happen. I look at Acts and how the Spirit pours out when people are united. And the Bible says that 12 people turn the world upside down. What happens if, mm. what, are, what are we, a thousand or so people get together? I mean, we'll turn the universe upside down. <laughs> um, and I, 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 I dream, brother. I mean, I can't, I can't even fathom what it looks like for God's spirit to be poured out in an untethered, unmitigated way if we would unite. Mm. That's my dream. Mm. That sounds like hope to me. The world could use some hope. Listen, I want you to know from me, I don't care if you're a communist, a socialist, a libertarian. I don't care if you're conservative, liberal, moderate, Republican, Democrat. I don't care. Why don't I care? Because our identities cannot be found outside anything but Christ. That we have a citizenship, but it's not of this world. It's in Christ so I know that He can bind us together in love. Our allegiance is to Christ. Christ trumps every allegiance. Some of us get distracted from that. Jared actually told us, so far as it depends on us, we will make every effort to humble ourselves and join together in the ministry of Christ in this world. That's what he told us last week. So in Christ, we will speak the truth in love and things that need to be discussed and we'll grow into something new. Now, hang with me because what I just put forward, some of you right now are literally feeling, no, I can't do that. When I named it and you considered yourself one of those things I just named, you questioned whether you could be part of this church. You did. And it's on both sides of the spectrum. And maybe under it and above it, I don't know. And I don't care because I know who binds us together and I know what he has given us to make sure that we can be together, a gift, a blessing. And this is when we return to the very beginning, Ephesians 4, 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. We do this by valuing the voices that God left behind, that Jesus Christ, he set something forward, knew that we would need guidance. He knew that the situation of the day would require a balanced and holy approach to set this, and he set this forward. A reminder, Christ gave the church five distinct voices. And if one of them is missing, the church suffers. And what I find is that most of us aren't actually used to all of the voices. And so I want to bring them forward today. And I brought people with me because I want you to see it as people. But they represent more than just people who have this gifting. Some of them, they fall right in line with it. 
but that it's purposes of the church, something that binds us together and creates unity and maturity. Jesus epitomized so much as God that we could never have a leader again who could fulfill all of these things, and so he gave this to us. It's a spiritual blessing, and it's what transforms the world through the Holy Spirit. If we want to grow up together, then we have to have these voices present. And so I want to break it down for you. And the first one is the apostle, the apostle. And so here you go. There's our apostle. Welcome, apostle. Looks really good on you. What is an apostle? Well, they, they send and extend. They're sending and extending. Okay, those are nice words. What does that actually mean? What they do is they work into new ministries. They send people out and plant churches. They're all about new things, exciting things, moving forward. Apostles are really awesome. I love them a lot, mostly because I tend to like that about myself. I'm, I'm in there. But it's this idea that we have to try new things and go new places, new mission, outreach, church plants. So when we live into this voice, when that voice is loud in our church, it looks like church plants. It looks like new ministries. It looks like discipleship. See, one-on-one discipleship is so important to the apostle because he knows that nothing can break that down, and that's how Jesus did it. And we need you. We need you. We need you, and we need your voice. We need you. And we're moving into diversity. Now, diversity is different than justice. I'm going to go into that in just a moment. Diversity means that we can see the end, the end when every tongue, tribe, and nation will worship God, and it'll look different. And it won't all sound the same like CCM or if you know what I'm talking about. It's going to look like everything. We're not all going to speak English. And here's the thing. We can have a piece of that now that we have people from different countries in our very city, our township. We have people who are here who are worshiping God so we can experience a bit of heaven now. So we've got to go for it in something new. Now, here's the second one. The second one's the prophet. And I picked my buddy Rob because uh, he's one of the nicest guys I know, calm. Um, and prophets, prophets get on people's nerves. Um, they do. So I thought it was the opposite. So I, I didn't want him to feel bad. So I was like, you know, you're a nice guy. Don't worry. You're not a jerk. Okay. Prophets, they tend to be misunderstood. And you're going to hear why in just a moment. And prophets, they end up dead a lot. <laughs> and I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, but I'm making fun, but there's truth. You know, the, the church in America has long ignored the prophet. Why? Because the prophet questions and is concerned with us embodying the covenant. And so your voice is so needed because you're calling us to question things. You're calling us to stand with the poor and the oppressed. And that's hard, especially if we're not poor or oppressed. Martin Luther King, Jr., was a prophet and led the way, and he gave everything for it. Who is God? What is his nature? That's what it means to be a prophet. The prophetic function, that voice, cries out for justice. The blood soaked in the ground cries out for justice. And some of us don't recognize the prophetic voice because we haven't heard it. And some of us, it feels like a threat. And some of us, it feels like failure. But it is the righteous voice of God who, with all of these voices, pushes us for covenant relationship with God. 
It is for our good. And it calls us to repentance. The prophets of old called Israel to repentance for idolatry. And the prophets today, the prophetic voice of God today is calling the church to repent of racism. And we're guilty. At the least, the church has failed to stand with the poor and the oppressed. And at our worst, we have actually been the oppressors. About a year ago, on this very stage, I got up and we were doing a series on ancient modern. It was an awesome series. You should go back and check it out. But I started off the service with this idea of repentance. Why? Because we're terrible at repentance. And so I wanted to show, and I talked about things that our country needed to repent of, and the church, and myself. And I got raw and real. But one of the things that I repented of on behalf of our church, the church as a whole, was that we were party, that we were complicit, that we used the Bible to enslave people. That we ignored that all men are created in the image of God, which is biblical. It's, I know it's in some other documents, but that we were made in the image of God. And we said, well, no, not really. And then we said, well, maybe they're three-fifths the image of God. And I remember, I didn't say all that. All I just said is, God, forgive us for using your word to enslave people. And a couple got up and left. Why? Am I upset with them? No. It's because we have lost our ability to hear the prophetic voice. We're not good at owning our own complicity. It feels like it's wrong. We haven't learned how to do it. And it doesn't make any sense for us as Americans to own what other people did, but that is what the Bible is there for, to own, or at the very least, to stand for those who have been oppressed. Prophet, you got a rough job, but we need you. I need you. And right now, the church needs you more than ever. We need to learn to stand for truth in a way that invites conversation for those who are like, yes! Stand for truth. Be a good prophet. But invite conversation. Don't shout at the dark. Bring people with us. Stand for truth, but do it in a way that invites conversation. Look, we're going to be intentionally offensive. What I mean is, it's not like don't ever say anything that's bad. No, no, no. As a church, we're going to be intentionally offensive. We're going to be prophetic. But we're going to do it in a way that makes a difference and changes the world and points people to Christ. And we're going to make mistakes. So my fourth question, and this one's hard. How can you be better at receiving truth or how could you be better at speaking truth? Because right now, who's listening, you're in two different seats. Jared, I'd love, Pastor Jared, for you to answer that question. Yeah, I think what's hit me hard is what you said a few minutes ago, that we'll never mature if we've never been corrected. And that's, I'm still thinking about that. Uh, but to be corrected, and we're going to keep beating this drum, it takes humility. That only the Holy Spirit, Daniel talked about this as well, but only the Holy Spirit can develop within me. And I've been thinking about, well, what is humility? I think in a real simple sense, humility is being uh, able to be the one that says, I might be wrong here. Wow. And nobody wants to do that yeah. uh, when speaking and when listening. And so I think if we have humility uh, to recognize we might be wrong, 
um, I think that's going to that's gonna be huge for us. Wow. Thank you. It's good stuff. We're doing a lot of listening now, aren't we? We're doing a lot of speaking, and hopefully we're doing it in humble ways. We need each other. We discovered a lot. We move a little faster through these next ones, but they're really important. And the next one's the evangelist. And there's Stephen. We didn't give him a mic, but uh, Stephen is an evangelist. And uh, if I could make his sign, it would be all sparkly. Because the evangelist finds a way to make the story of the gospel so attractive to people. They're always thinking, how do I recruit people for this cause? How do I give them hope and joy? How do I point them to the gospel? The evangelists, we love our evangelists. They're fun. They, they get a little um, exhausting because they'll always ask, how does somebody who doesn't know God receive this. The evangelist is someone that we need, that they continue to help us grow. They recruit and they connect. And that's why over a thousand people in the last five years have accepted Christ here. Because that voice is strong. Yeah, sparkly. That's really good. Good job, Steve. He's like, Eej. be the spark. We need you. We need your voice to recruit us into what we need to do and what we need to change, and how we need to move forward to speak the truth with grace and love and relevancy. We need your voice of hope and joy. We're so grateful that you're here. The next one is the shepherd. The shepherd. And this one's pretty appropriate for you. You are a shepherd. You like to develop and deepen relationships. You are so important. Your voice is important in our church. If we're going to grow, we need the relationships to bear the weight of the correction. We need the relationships to bear the weight of speaking the truth in love. And you, you speak the word and about the word and character of God within the text, and you speak of healing and love and peace. You guard people when there's trials, and you guide them to places of calmness and love. And the reason why it normally says pastor is because we got so excited about shepherds that we started to call all of the people who lead our churches shepherds. And there's something beautiful about it. And for another time, we'll talk about how that has dimmed some of the other voices, but that's not for today. Today, we celebrate you. We celebrate your voice because you stand with the oppressed and you guide them to the downtrodden and, or down the, the downtrodden to calm waters. And for our families that are hurting, our black brothers and sisters, they shepherds, they reach out and comfort and love. And you are also patient with those who are being awakened or awoken. You're patient with them, and you guide them, and you give them space to grow. We need the voice of the shepherd. We need you. If we're going to be prophetic, we're going to have to have shepherds building relationships that can bear the weight of an utterly transformative time. And finally, Last, but definitely not least, the teacher. And this one hits this guy real. This is real. This is more real than anything else up here. This guy just loves the Word of God. Why? Because he wants to train and contextualize everything. He wants the Word of God to transform us. And this is fun because this is who he is, but there's a voice of teaching, of right doctrine. They are concerned not only with what God is calling us to do in the moment, but what he has called us to do in every moment in the past. They, we love teachers, and we actually do love our teachers, our, real, our teachers that are you know, not in the church. They have a hard job right now. Good job, teachers, right? 
Teachers don't just give us pithy phrases and small behavioral modifications, but a teacher in the church gives us not this formula. They don't get in here and be like, get your formula. Teachers can't stand that a lot of the times. They're like, you know, they're like when they see someone going up there and just like, yay, (laughs) yay. They're like, stop it. Stop it. That's the word of God. That was weird. I did that on the fly. Um, They point us not to formula, but to true nourishment. They give us the word of God, the steak and potatoes. And sometimes it's spicy and infants can't handle it, but they ask us to mature and grow, to take the hard things. They provide wisdom to the prophetic voice. They help the apostle make sure they're on track. (laughs) And they encourage the shepherd to grow and the evangelist to make sure they're saying it with truth. They point us to God. We need you. We need you. We need you. We need you. We need all y'all. And we really need you for this season. When this is working, the kingdom is expanding into new ministries and new eras. It repents of its sin and how it has let culture influence its practices and past. It stands up for the oppressed. I want to say this real clearly because I talked about diversity. And all of you are kind of there. You're like, diversity is awesome. Yes, let's do that. I want to see that. But there is no diversity without justice. So we need the prophet. And then we need the evangelist to help us say it in a way that's amazing and beautiful and provocative. And we need the shepherd to guide our relationships. And we need the teacher to keep us on track and point us to the word of God so we can grow up into maturity to experience something new. Now, I say all that. Listen to the words of God one more time. Close your eyes. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all, All of us reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We need all of you, every single one of you, for what comes next. So what do we do? Here's our action steps. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. The first thing we need to do is we need to gain proximity. We need to gain proximity. What that means is that we need to be with people who look different than us. We need to talk to people who are black if we are white. And if we are black, we need to talk to people who are white. We need to have conversations. We need to live life with each other because proximity, it changes everything. And so you need to gain proximity. Do it however you can. Do it in a way of humility and know that you're going to mess up. Come with a humble heart to learn or and join Be the Bridge. 
designed specifically to have conversations of the most difficult nature together. Gain proximity. Practice humility. Practice humility, both sides. I'm not trying to make this about sides, but frankly, if you go on Facebook, you're realizing it is in our church. And what I'm not saying is calling out any group. I'm calling both of you out. Practice humility. Specifically, stand for truth in a way that invites conversation. You know, one of the things I heard lately, some of us just want to talk past each other. We're aiming for an audience instead of a conversation. And an audience is just going to rally people who already believe. But a conversation transforms the world one life at a time. And that's what discipleship is. And that's what's going to change this permanently. Six months from now, a year from now, we have a long way to go and we need everybody. So if you are passionate about justice or anything else to do with God, because this message, we're talking about justice, we're talking about everything. Stand for truth. Stand for truth. Do it. But do it in a way that invites conversation. Don't aim for an audience. Aim for a conversation. Finally, we all need to mature, right? We need to grow up a little bit, and here's some ways that you can do that. Read The Color of Compromise. Last week, Jared uh, let us know about that. Our staff is going through it. It talks about the complicity of the church. Read it. It's challenging. Or go to Right Now Media and watch it online. You can get all of that on our website for free, uh, and then you can go to the library and get this book for free. Read Color of Compromise. Second, you need to stop drinking milk or the Kool-Aid and you need to grow up a little bit, you need to stop paying attention to some of the political views that are defining your theology without you even knowing it and start to input something into it, which is the Word of God, of course. So join the life journey. Join the life journey. You can find that in the Now page. What that does is it helps you grow, helps you go from, from an infant where you don't know what you don't know to a child, to a young adult, to a parent, to an apostle, or maybe an evangelist. It's this idea where you grow into something that we have made specifically to help people mature. And finally, attend Juneteenth. This is everyone. If you don't understand, come in humility. If you understand, come in solidarity and humility. Come on Friday at 6.30. Come and see and celebrate solemnly what will happen that was good but also remember how far we have to come i'll see you out at the pavilion as we learn to lament and celebrate that god is transforming us i want to invite you to be part of this family for some of you i know you're watching and you're not really sure there is a god i've heard stories from friends sorry they're really excited that you're watching and some of you have gone away from God or some of you have been so mad at the church for so long and someone invited you to this and you're like man I'm actually having hope again I want to invite you to know Jesus Christ when you know Jesus Christ everything changes you get to experience this and there is no unity without Christ he binds us together he fills our hearts with love he gives us the firm foundation to stand and what it takes is you giving your life to him saying you know what I'm going to stop doing things my way and do it God's way. The way to do that is to accept that he died for you and paid your price and gave you new hope and new life if you choose it. There's power in choice. 
So let's close our eyes. And in this moment, if you want to make this decision, I encourage you to pray. God, for those who want to make this decision, even if it's years after the recording, we're live right now. I pray that they know that you're in the room with them, that you knew this moment was coming, that you knew that they would be on the precipice of making a decision that would transform not only their life and their family, but the whole world. I pray that they would pray this along with me in their own words, out loud or in their heart, and admit their need for you. Repeat this out loud in your heart. Just make this your own. God, I, I need you. I'm broken. I need hope. I need someone to rescue me. And your son, Jesus Christ, he came to rescue me. To pay for me. To give me a new life. And all I have to do is give up everything and follow him. I will I will I'll say yes to Jesus transform my life and I'll follow you the rest of my days and into eternity and tell everyone about this hope that I have found I pray that you would not only receive Christ in this moment but that you would also feel the Holy Spirit of God be with you that God is with you all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our hope and salvation, the one who holds us together in love.